Welcome all to another episode of the European Values Podcast. And we wish you a good day here from Winterish Prague. Welcome especially to those of you who are interested in the issues of international security and its multiple forms, which is still the overall topic of this podcast. Uh, the European Values Podcast is produced by our organization, the European Value Center for Security Policy, or the EVC, which is based here in Prague, in the Czech Republic, and that focuses on current security policy issues all around the world. My name is David Plasek, I'm an analyst of the EVC, and I will be moderating this episode of our podcast. This episode will be concerning one increasingly important topic, and that's the issue of how to adapt to the emerging challenges of economic warfare and coercion. In other words, we will try to shed a new light on the global trade and investment regime and how countries and governments today can protect their economies against malign influences, against attempts of economic coercion from non-democratic countries, which is something that is increasingly happening. So one of the main objectives is also to discuss today how should these countries deploy countermeasures of economic security, meaning anti-dumping laws and regulations, how to enhance export control and other measures, and should we even do it? Today, when the global investment regime has found itself in a new situation after decades of confidence in free trade, and when a open and liberalized markets were the rule, which is changing today in the time of supply chain disruptions, the trade war between the US and China, one of the examples, the Russian invasion to Ukraine and the relating economic sanctions, right? And all the other issues of this kind that indicate that the golden era of globalization is probably over. So it's at this time that the importance of protecting domestic markets and deploying industrial policies and restricting foreign investments steadily grows. And the countries all over the world are trying to build their own protective mechanisms against these threats such as economic coercion, economic malign influences, and so on. What can we actually do and what countries can do to preserve rules-based order and economic cooperation, welfare benefits of the multilateral free trade regime without being a victim of these malign economic influence from countries such as China and Russia. So it's for these reasons that we today invited as guests of our podcast leading experts one from Japan and one from Europe on the topic of economic security and security of trade to give their insights and reflections on this topic. 
Our first guest is from the Czech Republic. He's a European. Uh, his name is Ota Šimák. He is a official at the Ministry of Industry and Trade of the Czech Republic. He's actually director of the Department of Trade Policy and International Economic Organization. And it is his department, the one that he's headed by him, whose task is to deal with these issues of economic security in the Czech Republic. So I welcome him here. Uh, hello uh, to everybody. Thank you. Thank you for having me here uh, on, on this, on this, uh, on, and having this opportunity to uh, to speak in this podcast. Our second guest is from Japan, and will give a different point of view, and it is Professor Yuka Fukunaga, who's a professor at Waseda University in Japan. She focuses in her research on topics just as trade, WTO, investment agreements and arbitrations. She teaches public international law and international economic law. And among other achievements, she is a winner of the Waseda Research Award in 2017. So I welcome Professor Fukunaga here as well. Hello and thank you for the uh, invitation. So now we can already start our discussion and I would start it with asking both of our guests to get their view, the general view on this topic and add their insights and experiences of their, of their respective countries. So please, let's start with Mr. Shimak. Thank you and, uh, and uh, good morning to all. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, we, we are, uh, th that's definitely true, we, we are in a difficult times and the, the atmosphere in, in global trade has changed in, in, in recent years. But uh, I am quite uh, convinced that, uh, that uh, it's not a question about openness, because openness is uh, openness of trade. Uh, is actually uh, the the key factor which which is uh, which which our uh, our prosperity is built on, and openness is uh, closely connected to to high rate of innovation and uh, and uh, competitiveness. I mean in global scale, uh, but uh, we have to tackle somehow with with the with with the actors which which are actually. Uh, abusing the, the multilateral open system and, uh, and uh, when, when they are deploying uh, malign activities uh, they, uh, they, are in, they, they are using these, this, this uh, unfair advance. Uh, so uh, I mean openness uh, between or among, uh, among uh, uh, reliable partners and, uh, and uh, safeguards, security safeguards towards the, the malign actors which, which are abusing the, the system. That's actually, that's actually the way, the path we, we have to go. Uh, would there, is there a part of the, all the possible measurements that we can use against uh, these uh, threats towards uh, uh, national economies in Europe that would, you would um, emphasize as, as the most important and the, or the most urgent at the time being? I mean, regarding security, security checks or security safeguards, uh, the measures are 
are already there. Uh, the, 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 I mean, the, the most important measures, uh, which, which is export controls, uh, which, is, which is FDI screening, uh, and uh, which can be actually the anti-coercion instrument, which is being developed now in, uh, in, uh, in the EU. And, uh, and uh, let's, let's see if, uh, if, uh, if the others, uh, if the other, uh, other partners of the EU uh, are being inspired by this. Uh, so, so we can take, uh, we can take unilateral measures uh, once it comes to, to some, uh, some toxic activities of, of these malign actors. So uh, I mean, this, these these unilateral measures are uh, unfortunately necessary, even though even though they are not contributing to, to open trade, that, that's for sure. But uh, but they are necessary for security reasons. But actually, they are enabling they are enabling uh, open trade uh, among among the, the trusted partners. Thank you very much for the opportunity. First of all, I'd like to give a general perspective on. Japan's um, economic security and trade-related policies. And I think there are two important perspectives here. First, of course, the importance of economic security is increasing, and Japan has been taking uh, new measures to promote economic security. Um, but at the same time, there is another, the other important perspective, which is uh, Japan is really dependent on foreign trade and foreign investment. And wh while um, emphasizing the importance of economic security, we also have to uh, maintain and strengthen multilateral trading system. And uh, we have to comply with the um, economic law. So it's sort of a balance between the two potentially conflicting Constraints. One is economic security, and the other is uh, free and open trade and investment order. So I'll um, speak about more specific issues. There are several issues that Japan has been taking to promote economic security. One of them is um, export controls on uh, critical uh, products and technologies, and uh, and uh, well. Japan has export control system based on international arrangements. And, uh, but Japan has been trying to sort of strengthen the export control system, especially with cooperation with the United States. And there is a concern that critical technology may be leaked out to uh, certain um, non-democratic democratic countries. So Japan has been taking measures to strengthen uh, um, export control so that uh, leakage will not happen. The second issue, the second sort of policy objective for Japan is to ensure stable supply chain, supp stable supplies of critical products and technologies. Well, Japan is a resource poor country. Japan is dependent on the supply, uh, dependent on other foreign countries for the supply of critical minerals or other industrial goods. So um, diversification and French shoring of sources is one of the measures that Japan has been taking to ensure stable supply of those critical products and um, technologies. And in that context, Japan has concluded several uh, free trade agreements. And one of them is of course, CPTPP. Japan also concluded 
the Japan EU EPA. So those um, binding free trade agreements hope, hopefully help Japan stabilize and strengthen supply chains. And interestingly, Japan also concluded an FDA with China, which is RCEP. And RCEP has a procedural obligation regarding the export restrictions. So sort of that obligation um, discourages uh, export restrictions on critical uh, minerals. So that's sort of, that's probably one of the important developments. And also Japan has been expanding its non-binding economic uh, cooperation frameworks with like-minded countries. And one of the most important economic frameworks is the IPEF, which has been uh, led by the United States, of course. Now, the third potential measure that Japan can take to promote um, economic security is sanctions. Well, you know, there are human rights violation concerns in relation to supply chains. There's concern about forced technology transfer in foreign countries. And some countries, like especially the, like the United States, has a, a, a tool to um, impose sanctions against those uh, unfair trade practices. But so far, until now, Japan does not have a law to impose sanctions against human rights violations or forced technology transfer in, in, in foreign countries. But there is an interesting development in that respect. Um, a bill to address uh, human rights violations in supply chains has been introduced in the parliament in Japan. So if the bill is adopted, Japan may in the future consider taking unilateral measures against uh, human rights violations in supply chains. And finally, um, the foreign investment regulations. Well, Japan has a um, screening system on inward investment and given the um, growing concern about the foreign investment, you know, in the past, most foreign investment in Japan has been made from, by like-minded countries in North America or Europe. But these days, um, investment from other, other areas has been increasing and there's a growing concern about uh, that um, the foreign investment can pose security risks. So Japan has been toughening the screening process. Um, so that is a, maybe the last uh, measure that I'm going to mention. Thank you. Thank you very much for your, your, your um, insight. That is also um, interesting to, to European audience, of course, from our point of view. Uh, so maybe I would uh, follow and ask you um, if you could maybe collaborate on on the topic of what you personally see as the most urgent thing right now that Japanese government or maybe any government in the world, if there is some instrument of protecting trade, protecting economic security, uh, that you think is the most important, most urgent right now? Well. If I sort of mention the most important objective rather than the most important 
tool, I would say the I would say building resilient supply chains is the most urgent policy objective for Japan, of course, but for maybe more other countries as well. As you know, the COVID-19 sort of um, made very clear that um, the supply chains are very vulnerable to um, unexpected risks, such as disease, infectious diseases, or supply chains are also vulnerable to uh, political tensions. So, well, earlier I mentioned the diversification and friend shoring, but um, another sort of tool to um, strengthen supply chains may be um, subsidies. And like other countries, Japan has been uh, increasing the, uh, the, um, the, the grant of subsidies to, to build um, stronger uh, supply chains. But I want to um, insist that, well, one way to address the supply chain risk is to restore um, production to um, its territory. But reshore, reshoring has its limit. You can't produce everything in one single country. You have to have um, some or strong relations with other trading partners. So uh, the key to build resilient supply chains is to strengthen uh, economic cooperation with other trading partners. And I would follow up with another question that is part of the philosophical one, but is uh, important. And it is that often when we talk about this topic of importance and need to have some protective mechanisms, we can often hear, for example, in our country, in the Czech Republic, or in all export countries, that these measures actually can hurt the business community, can hurt the chances of entrepreneurs to compete abroad, right? To, to do business simply, because uh, then because of these instruments, they are restricted. What would, you, what would be your argument to such a criticism from the business community? I would say, yes, uh, I mean, like these measures, the, any, any unilateral measures, which are not liberalizing trade, uh, uh, are somehow damaging the, the openness, the, the global open, open trade environment. Uh, but uh, once it comes to security reasons, once, could, once it comes to security uh, factors, these, these measures are necessary. We, we see it, we see it that uh, we saw it in the past, uh, that, uh, that some actors which are abusing the, the multilateral trading system, uh, they just play. They, they play this in advance. That's, that's not. That's not a level playing field, uh, and uh, and we have to somehow tackle that. And uh, protectionism is not an answer uh, because uh, this this come, once it comes to to closing the markets, then 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 we are not uh, not able to, uh, to 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 keep the pace of of, com of global competition and global innovation. So. Uh, once, once it comes to, uh, to these measures, these are unfortunately necessary regarding some. And uh, as they are targeted, uh, they would not, they should not hurt uh, 
the, the, the trade and investment relations with, with the trusted partners. If I can answer your question rather generally, your question sort of bring me back to my initial point, meaning that in my first intervention, I said there are two potentially conflicting, conflicting perspectives in Japan's economic security policy. That means there is the, 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 the importance of economic security is increasing. We have to take assertive uh, measures to promote economic security, but we cannot ignore the importance of economic ties. For example, for Japan, we cannot ignore the importance of economic ties with China. We cannot heart uh, economic ties with China. So it's, it, it's economic reality. So it's really, there's no probably right answer or there's no clear answer to your question. But the um, concern of businesses, the business community's concerns is legitimate. And the security concern is also legitimate. legitimate. So we have to ha find a way to um, balance these potentially uh, conflicting uh, interests. Yes, thank you very much. That is uh, definitely true. Um, and um, again, a, a, a thing that comes to mind when we talk about, about these uh, issues and, and subtopics is that um, it is actually, from, from your expertise, from your, um, in your opinion, it is actually, in general, safe to do business, to trade with such a clearly non-democratic countries, just like China and others. Is it actually, can it be safe in general? Can it be safe at least in some, in some areas? What do you think? Uh, I mean, of course, of course, it, it's always possible to, to do trade uh, with with partners which uh, which want to do trade. Uh, the uh, the point is uh, not to not to endanger uh, our own security. I mean, uh, it uh, when when you when you look at it uh, on on a, on a sectoral level. I mean, uh, when you when you look at EDTs, the emerging and disruptive technologies, there is for sure that uh, we have to cooperate and, uh, and develop together these technologies and standards for these technologies with the trusted partners. Because if you don't trust a partner or if you don't trust any actor, you can hardly uh, cooperate with, with him or uh, with it uh, uh, to on, on, on uh, common standard, standardization. Uh, but uh, once it comes to like general goods, general services, uh, I mean, there is no security threat. There, there is, and if there is no dependency, I mean, in economic terms, if there is no uh, potential for blackmailing, uh, which, which is connected to this, to this dependency, then uh, I don't see any, any security threat in that. Um, well, I cannot say if it's safe or not, but I am concerned that sort of um, label, labeling a certain country as um, undemocratic and sort of decouple that country from economic network is potentially dangerous. You know, if we think about what happened before the World War II, the, one of the reasons 
we, we studied at university that one of the reasons that led to the World War II was the, um, the um, sort of the blocks, economic blocks that stop the trade flow, the, that stopped the global trade flow. So sort of isolating a certain country from the global economic network can be potentially dangerous. I, I, so um, I understand that there is a security concern with certain non-democratic countries. And there is, we have to be cautious when we do businesses with such country. But decouple, decoupling that country completely is another dangerous path we shouldn't take. Thank you very much for insight. And when we look uh, more closely at, at, at our country and each republic, um, could you maybe try to assess the state of play in our country compared to other European countries or even uh, countries all around the world when it comes to economic security? Are we, how, how good are we at it? How, how much protected are we if we can, let's say, talk about some imaginary chart in the world? So are we in the, in, 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 in the first part of it or are we in the middle? What would be your opinion on that? My opinion is that, that we would be uh, in the first part of, of the chart. Uh, like, I mean, of course, there are some, some countries uh, and member states of the EU which uh, have much more experience and uh, with, uh, with uh, for instance, with FDI screening uh, and, uh, and uh, economic security. But uh, still, I think that, uh, that economic security is, uh, taken, is being taken seriously by, uh, by, by Czech Republic and by the Czech government. And, uh, I think that uh, with regard, for instance, with regard to uh, transparency and, uh, and cooperation with, uh, with business, uh, we, I dare to say that we are frontrunners in this case. How would you, you can even very shortly if you want, how would you actually, I would say, rate Japan when it comes to economic security? Do you think that as compared with other powers in the world, the situation in Japan is uh, rather average, over average, under average when compared to United States or Europe. This is uh, for your uh, personal opinion. But do you think Japan is now behind other countries in this, uh, in this state of play or what would be its position? Well, um, in terms of uh, sort of unilateral actions against coercive practices or in terms of the aggressiveness um, towards non-democratic nations, probably you can, you should, you have to say that Japan is behind the United States or the European Union. But I think that there is a, there is a reason for that as I repeatedly, I'm, as I'm repeatedly saying, Japan is very much dependent on China economically. So um, I wouldn't say, well, I, I just said Japan is behind, but probably I should have said Japan has a very, Japan is Japan's in a very different position from the United States. 
um, we cannot really, we can't, we have to um, maintain economic relations with China despite potential security risks. And I think um, we, Japan simply cannot use unilateral measures like the United States is doing. And the more realistic way for Japan to uh, promote economic security or to deal with potentially uh, coercive actions or foreign interferences, I think Japan should use multilateral frameworks such as a WTO, or Japan should use um, rule-based measure such as dispute resolution and so on, or economic frameworks such as the IPEF. So, um, well, Japan may be late in taking measures to promote economic security, and there are many other things Japan should do in the future, but we cannot simply copy what the United States is doing. We, we have to think about different ways to promote economic security. And with that being said, I think it's a good moment to end our podcast episode here today. Thank you very much, Professor Fukunaga and Mr. Shimak, for providing us with your knowledge and expertise. It was very insightful and interesting conversation, I think. And also because of the fact that we can expect that there will be increasing interest in this topic and knowledge in Europe, especially going forward. And I wish also to you all who are listening a good rest of the day and you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook or on the website europeanvalues.com and until the next episode of our podcast, goodbye.